At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. I'm glad to give him a season. It's like great memory for me for sure, and uh, I hope like uh, some days he give me assist my five goals. Well, Sidney Crosby is going to assist on Evgeny Malkin's 500th goal. He's got 70 more chances between now and then to gather some assists. Tim Benz, Pittsburgh CityCast. Thanks for finding us today. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Yeah, Evgeny Malkin speaking for the first time since Sid got number 500 against the Flyers. He spoke Wednesday to the Pittsburgh media. Boy, it feels like a long time already since Sid got 500. And the reason for that is the Penguins have lost a couple games since then against some quality competition and games that they've needed in the standings but didn't get. Regulation losses to the Toronto Maple Leafs, to the Carolina Hurricanes, and now they have a chance to bounce back and get two points tonight. We'll start on the ice today and then get to some Steelers talk for the Penguins. Thursday night, great time to get back on track. They dropped those two contests against the Leafs and Hurricanes, both currently in the Eastern Conference bracket. The Devils, who come to town to PPG Paints Arena tonight, They are not in the playoff bracket. Far from it, 39 points. The Pens are in second place with 70 points, four behind the Hurricanes. Only the Seattle Kraken, 36 points. Montreal, 31 points. And the Coyotes, 30 points, are behind them in the standings. As far as goals per game, well, the Devils are 28th in the league at 3.56. They are 28th in the league in faceoffs at 47.6%. Their power play is 24th at 17.2%. But their penalty kill is good at 83.5%, 7th best in the NHL. But the last time out, the Pens, they recently beat the Devils 4-2 in New Jersey on February the 13th. Remember, that was Sid looking for goal. Number 500, he hit the post a couple times, had a couple clean looks, but that was all part of his master plan to set up to get the goal at PPG Paints Arena against the Philadelphia Flyers. The Pens won without Crosby having to put one between the pipes. They are minus 286 straight up tonight against the Devils. Minus 1.5 is the puck line, and that's paying out at minus 124. Not too expensive, but I think the under is the way to go here at six and a half goals, minus 112 versus the over, which is at minus 108. I really tend to play conservative on the hockey win total at 286 versus the puck line at 124. Although, 
you know, we could be looking at an empty net goal in favor of the Pens tonight. Uh, you could probably, if you feel like being a little bit risky and having to pay to do it, go with that, given that the Devils are in last place and they've only won three times in their last 15 games. But I think the under is a real smart play. I think this has the Penguins 3 to nothing, 4-1, to one, something like that written all over it. Uh, I think they really come out and play a solid game tonight against New Jersey because they need to, especially in advance of the Rangers coming up on Saturday afternoon for the first time. These two teams will meet. Boy, it's almost March, and the Pens haven't played the Rangers yet. How weird is that? We'd like to see if Getty Malkin can get going 5-on-5, five five, though. Gino spoke about that as well. One thing that he thinks would help, having steady line mates for a consistent period of time. We have lots of good like, players in our team, and uh, when I play my best, I think I give like uh, my winners a chance to score. And uh, I hope like uh, we play the same line longer. We understand each other more, and like chemistry is better. I hope we help the team to win. Sure, Gino's right. That definitely would help, but I'm not sure what Mike Sullivan is supposed to do about it. I'm not sure if that was a pitch from Gino to get Brian Rush dropped down to his line, or if that was a pitch perhaps to Ron Hextel and Brian Burke to go out there and get another guy. But any way you slice it, Malkin could use some more help. And if Jeff Carter only has to be the third most dynamic player on a three-man line, then I think you're in business. If he's playing with an empty sweater and Kasperi Kapanen and Gino and all the minutes he's got to log at this age, uh, that's asking a lot. I still think the Pens are best served if they can find two other guys to perform with Malkin and have Carter playing a third or fourth line. But frankly, it's necessary at this point because of how little production they're getting from Kasperi Kapanen. We talk about all those topics with Brian Metzer here at the Pittsburgh CityCast today. Metz was a guest of mine on the Breakfast with Ben's podcast. And I figured I'd let you hear a little bit of that today as we prepare for Devils and Penguins over at PPG Paints Arena tonight. Mets on the Penguins radio network. You can hear him during intermissions, post-games, Saturdays as well with Paul Steigerwald, Pens Live Weekly. And you can also hear him during the hockey season right here in the Pittsburgh CityCast. Mets, lots to talk about after that first game of the season against the Carolina Hurricanes. First time we've seen them. I was listening to you after the game against Carolina, which is the first time since before the pandemic, right? Yeah, they uh, they were last in Pittsburgh. Or the last time the teams played, Tim, was that March 8th of 2020 game, right before the pause in play. That was the Penguins' last game before they returned to lose to the Montreal Canadiens in August of that, that year. But yeah, it was weird because they haven't crossed paths since then. And all we've done is heard about the how good the Carolina Hurricanes are or were and have been. And we saw it uh, for the first time at PPG Paints Arena in almost two full years. It was kind of interesting. What'd you think about what you saw in that matchup? How would that look for a best of seven if it comes down to it? Or even more specifically, how do you think it's going to look the next two times they play each other in the regular season? Because that's important, too. <clears throat> yeah, I think those games are going to be pretty influential in determining who ends up winning the division. Because they're the two teams are neck and neck at the top of the Metro going into that game on Sunday and they're, you know, essentially just separated by a couple of points. Now, after that game, the biggest issue for the Penguins is Carolina has three games in hand against them and they have two more points. Plus they have three more wins at this point. The Penguins have made up some of that ground in terms of overtime points. So when you look at it, I, I think that yesterday 
was probably an eye-opening moment for the Penguins. They may have heard so much about what Carolina brings to the table and, and seemingly were not prepared for it, specifically in the early going of that game. I would say for the first 30 minutes of play or so, the Penguins looked like they were being blown away in terms of, I wouldn't say they were completely outskated, but every mistake they made went the other way and created a, a brilliant scoring opportunity for Carolina. And if not for some pretty outstanding saves, specifically on, on shorthanded situations, that may have been a blowout early on. Penguins did kind of get a little bit more control once they got things tied up at two. And it would probably have been a completely different hockey game if they didn't immediate, immediately yield a goal nine seconds into the third period, as they had done in the second. But I, I think that they will be better prepared for what Carolina brings to the table in the next two matchups. But it is not an easy uh, opponent for the Penguins because they can skate just as much as the Penguins. They have a lot of offensive firepower. And if not for Jari in some moments yesterday, I think Sebastian Ajo, uh, Sveshnikov, and even Tara Vinen could have really uh, put up a couple of goals apiece because they all had really sparkling scoring opportunities. And I'm not even including some of the ones that Trocek brought to the table, the Pittsburgh kids. So it was a pretty tough opponent, and they looked like um, they were the better team for about 30 minutes of play until things got a little bit more even through uh, the second, the later stages of the second and down the stretch. Yeah, Mets, I'm of the opinion that their power play deserves a lot of credit for helping them through some games of late where they haven't been great five on five. But if you do the plus minus thing when it comes to allowing shorthanded goals or shorthanded chances, you kind of have to take that into effect too, aside from just the raw goal count, right? Yeah, uh, and it, it's a wild case study when you look at the Penguins because they had moments this season where they really depended on five on five scoring whenever their power play was just completely anemic. And then they, they crossed into the new year. They ended up getting Evgeny Malkin back and the power play really has been pretty good from January on and the five on five scoring dried up. So it's why can't everything just coalesce and be there together? That's the biggest issue for them. So they've got to find a way to make that a reality because you know, as well as I do, once you get into a playoff series, the power plays are, you know, farther and fewer between, and you just, it's a tougher situation. You're not going to see as many uh, penalties called. You're not going to get the opportunities. You can't live and die getting one or two chances a game. You've got to score at five on five. And the Penguins have gotten away from getting a lot of traffic to the net front, scoring those dirty goals that they did at times. I know Brian Russ scored one uh, against Carolina that he was right on top of the goaltender and knocked in a rebound. But really, um, a prime example of what we're talking about when you talk about the lack of, of traffic and dirty goals is the other night against uh, Toronto. They put up, what, 46 shots, and it was interesting to see Phil Bork sent me a, a note to show that the average distance of those 46 shots was about 36 feet. So I would say that the Toronto goaltender saw just about all of those shots, and I think the same could be said when you go into the game against Carolina. There were some moments in tight, but really, if you're going to be shooting from the perimeter and not getting traffic, you're not going to score many goals at 5-on-5 five five in the NHL. Watching that game against Carolina made me think about you know the big picture of the schedule that they've got remaining Mets between now and the end of the year. Well, heck, let's not even go that far. Just between now and St. Patrick's Day, uh, you looked at the game against Toronto, kind of kick it off. Then Carolina, two more games against Carolina. They've even got three good teams against the West, looking at the Predators and the Vegas Golden Knights, St. Louis Blues between now and St. Patrick's Day. A couple games against the Rangers, too. 
Uh, it makes me wonder how much of their good record has been built upon getting the lesser part of the schedule early on and how tested are they going to be and do we see some evening out here with the Penguins over the next month or so? Yeah, I, I mean, it's there's certainly uh, better opponents on tap and I saw a tweet yesterday that broke down uh, when you look at the next 20 games essentially and that was counting, not the next 20, There's thir- there was 31 games I think left at the time going into the Sunday game. And of those 21 of them were going to be pretty much against divisional opponents or the Tampa Bay lightning or the Colorado avalanche yeah. uh, teams like that. So it's, it's just, it's a really, it's a really tough section of the schedule. And you can see what the NHL did that they, they wanted it set up this way so that the games coming down through March and April would be very impactful in terms of divisional races. Now I, I think that the penguins have proven they can play with anybody, but the proof is has to be in the pudding here. I mean, the big test now you, you went up against Toronto and lost, you went up against Carolina and lost. I know you have the devils looming. The The next big test in my view is, is the New York Rangers. So to see those big three teams that everybody said the penguins really uh, might not match up well with based on how they played this year, I think that's going to get a lot of boo birds to come out and a lot of critics to come out. If they find a way to lose that game to the Rangers this weekend, Tim, because that will then be a third upstart, young, fast skating, good goaltending team that will have found a way to beat the Penguins. Now, all of that said, I, I do believe that they have the talent and they have the ability to play with any of these teams in the Eastern Conference. But I will point this out. For me, one of the biggest issues that this team has right now has been the lack of Teddy Bluger. If you go back to his last game played, which was on January th- 23rd, ever since they're they're letting up a lot more goals. I feel like their penalty kill has suffered a little bit. Well, they're the giving PK up, especially, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're giving up uh, big time opportunities there. Heck, on their power play, they're even giving up a ton of opportunities the other direction. But I, I feel like they've started to allow a lot more goals, even when they were winning. I mean, there was a five four victory that they picked up. They obviously let up four to Carolina, four to Toronto. They gave up four to the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, there were a couple two goal games, but you saw the Washington cap score four on them. LA score four. And before they were finding ways to win probably, you know, a four, two type game. Now they're in the midst of having to come back in those kinds of games, finding themselves in early holes. The other big issue here is they give up the first goal almost every night. I think it's in 12 of their last 16, they gave up the first goal. And so you're playing from behind almost immediately and they've done a pretty good job of overcoming that. But the the more improved opponent that you face or the more skilled or the better teams, you're not going to be able to come from behind the way you were against some of those other teams. And I think teams like Toronto and Carolina are exposing some of the mistakes that they were getting away with before because these teams make you pay. When those skilled forwards go the other direction, they're going to score more times than not. Whereas when it was Detroit or Seattle or Arizona, they weren't going to score near as often because the forwards just simply aren't on par with what they are in some of those other uh, matchups with the more skilled opponents. So they learned some valuable lessons in their last two games. And I think Mike Sullivan will try and rectify it. But the biggest step for me is getting someone like Teddy Bluger back, hopefully getting uh, Jason Zucker back even in terms of just his hard work, because that blue collar effect on the lineup has been lost a little bit in the bottom six and even in the top six, if he's going to play with Evgeny Malkin and then not having Bluger to build that czar Bluger McGinn line that was so solid as a third line between the or behind the big six. That's just a, a big deficiency in this lineup because it's been a mishmash ever since. 
Brian Metzer, Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network, talking about the Pens coming off that loss to Carolina over the weekend. Now looking ahead to the rest of the schedule between now and roughly the end of March. Big chunks here. A little nibble now, Metz. Uh, what do you think of the Devils coming up next? We won't speak again between now and Thursday. Yeah, they just – it's a team that constantly gives the Penguins headaches. I do like the fact that the Penguins get the missed time on home ice. They always seem to get lulled into playing a Devils-style game when they play in New Jersey. I know they beat them back uh, right ahead of Valentine's Day. But the Devils are a team that just constantly needles them. They were in a 3-2 game with them back in December as well. I mean, they it's its tight checking. It's close to the vest. They lost to them in October 4-2. to uh, I, I feel like no matter what version of the Devils that, that it is, it could be the 2,000 Devils that were the most boring, defensive-minded, Marty Brodeur-led um, you know, Stanley Cup type team or the one now that has some young uh, weapons that can skate a little bit better. They still don't score a whole lot, but they still seem to frustrate the Penguins. They they muddy up the middle of the ice. They take the game away from them through the neutral zone. The Penguins really can't get that run and gun style going so much against the Devils. And I think that's what we'll see uh, whenever these two teams lock horns on Thursday. But as I said, the good news is I like it a little bit more on home ice. I'll be curious to see how the Penguins deal with them uh, in this scenario after coming off of these two losses. They've still only lost something like five regulation games since December 1st, but it's a bit disheartening that they have two in a row now, and the Devils are probably the best thing that they could have seen coming in ahead of that Rangers game on Saturday. I, I, I like the fact that it's a team that they should be able to stop the bleeding with, and then you can be ready for what you're going to see with the Rangers on Saturday. Colorado Avalanche right now plus 450 to win the Stanley Cup on Bet Rivers. Then it's the Panthers and Lightning plus 700, plus 750. Vegas, Carolina, 800 and 1,000. The Leafs at 1,000. Then it's the Flames and Pens at plus 1,400 each. Does that sound about right to you, Mets, where they are uh, on that table? I would say for right now, I mean, there's probably odds makers that, that even based on where the Penguins are in the standings, and you look at where they fall in uh, to the overall hierarchy of the league, they are in fifth spot, actually tied for for fourth place with Tampa Bay with 70 total points. Colorado's up there at the top, Florida and Carolina, just in the overall standing. So there's probably a few people that don't believe in the Penguins just yet. I would love to see what the number goes to uh, after the trade deadline to see if they bolster themselves at all and probably – looking at them picking up defensive depth that they can, maybe a backup goaltender if they can. And once you could see these odds makers get a look at a more solidified Penguins lineup, one that can stop teams from scoring again and get some five-on-five scoring going, they might jump up a little above that. But for right now, I still think they're a talented team and deserve to be in the conversation of that top 10 teams or whatever it was. Uh, with their betting odds, I think that's a pretty good spot for them to be. 1,400 is not a bad number to take either because I do anticipate them playing better down the stretch and bolstering themselves a little bit. So that would be a nice a nice, uh, a nice, nice number to get to place your wager and, and maybe watch them make a Stanley Cup run here and make yourself some money. Are we back to the old narrative holding true about Evgeny Malkin needing a winger at the trade deadline? I mean, or is it Sid? It's, it's one or the other. Every trade deadline, it's... Get a winger for Sid or Gino. Are we back to yeah. that place now, especially because Mike Sullivan, I think rightly so, appears reticent to break up Crosby, Rust, and Gensel to give one of those guys to Malkin? 
Uh, I, I would agree with the coach not breaking them up. I mean, if, I found it interesting that since January 1st, Tim, Brian Russ is the second leading scorer in the National Hockey League, behind only Jonathan Huberdeau of the Florida Panthers. And Russ has 30 points in his last 18 games with 16 goals. So he's red hot. Sid is sixth in scoring over that span with 29 points in 22 games. And uh, Jake Gensel's kind of cold a little bit from where he was earlier this season, but he is such a valuable component to that line as well. So you can see why Mike Sullivan keeps it together. I would not be shocked to see Jeff Carter stick with Gino a little bit more. They've played, I think it's three games together now. And generally speaking, they've created some opportunities. I still think they're feeling each other out. You don't know who the true center is on the line whenever they are playing together because they've split the faceoff duties uh, going into Sunday. I believe it was 22 to 29 in terms of the overall face, excuse me, the overall faceoffs that those two players had taken. Uh, and I didn't get to see what their totals were coming out of the Sunday game, but that's something that could be a good tandem. You just need to find somebody for the other side. I don't think Danton Heinen's the true answer. Kasperi Kapanen's proven to not be a guy that can fit in there. And if you do get a Jason Zucker back, I would not be shocked to see the top line stay intact. Zucker fall in on the left side of Gino with Carter playing the right wing with them kind of sharing that center uh, responsibility. And then if all things being equal in terms of health, you have the Bluger line that we saw all season long. That gives them a pretty good blue collar uh, grinding line that can be good defensively and chip in a little bit. And then you figure out what you want to do with your fourth line. So I, I think health is an, an important aspect here. I also think they have got, got to figure out if it's going to be Zucker on the Geno line. I don't know that they're going to acquire somebody, put it that way, to play there. I think they'll do it in-house. Uh, it's going to be too expensive to get a winger that can play there. So I think they'll look to go Zucker, Geno, Carter, short-term, hopefully get Bluger's line back. And then um, go from there in terms of building a fourth line around either Brian Boyle or something like that, because then you mitigated the the center issue by putting Jeff Carter on Geno's line. So you're not going to knock out Brian Boyle from the lineup where he was when they were playing straight down the middle in terms of Carter being a third line center. Mets, when you look at the numbers, Evgeny Malkin, I think since his return, uh, the Penguins are about a half a goal game more allowed if you subtract if you take away shootout goals, you know, like the team shootout goals, yeah. I think it's a half a game more in the 16 that Malkin has played allowed than it was before he came back. How much of that is directly on Gino? Um, I, I think that it's worth saying that, yes, um, his influence has been there in terms of some of the, the Lucy Goose type passing plays at their own blue line or the offensive blue line. I mean, going in on the attack, they've made some bad turnovers there. Uh, they've made bad turnovers on the power play that have resulted in shorthanded opportunities the other way. So that could be a little bit of a spike, but I will, I will throw in. So there were looking at this, there's the Anaheim game, LA, San Jose, Vegas, Ottawa, Columbus. Uh, where did we go? We lost Bluger from the lineup on the 23rd. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six games that Gino played with Teddy Bluger. And then uh, ever since January 23rd, you've now played, uh, upwards of um, a dozen plus games without Teddy. And I think losing that defensive presence in the lineup has as much to do with that uptick as Gino coming back did. It's just the perfect storm because you've gotten a little bit more, uh, I guess, laissez-faire with the passing and, and a couple more mistakes than they were making previously, or at least forcing something that gets picked off and goes the other way. But you also don't have that defensive center that was 
playing really effective hockey for this team, winning face-offs, going up against top lines. That helped mitigate some scoring as well. And I think that it's been just a, a tandem of those two things. And it falls on Gino because that's been a, a big-time narrative here. Uh, and it's easy to look at that whole picture in terms of, of him being a big culprit. But I think that that's something that's not been talked about enough uh, as well, Tim, is the, the loss of Bluger uh, has, has hurt them in terms of that defensive line that was doing so much good work. So then it magnifies the uptick in goals with Gino being back in the lineup. Matt, since the Ghost concert, have you noticed that you've had to turn up your headphones more? Uh, surprisingly, I think I've done enough damage to my hearing earlier in life, Tim, so it doesn't hurt me as much these days uh, as it used to. Um, I, I, the problem is I just don't hear as well. Uh, it's funny, I just was talking to Cindy Boyden, our engineer up in the studio uh, at PPG Paints on 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 Sunday, she, I used to have one of my, you know how this is you're, when you're talking to your producer or your engineer or whatever, you pop your one headset off the, or you take it off the one ear and you can pretty much hear them and have a conversation. I have to take my headset fully off now because I can't hear her with the other, with the sound going into my other ear from Wayne back in the studio. So I think that speaks to where my hearing is. And I don't blame ghost. I blame a lifetime of loud music and it's all manifested in me just being, you know, uh, way less in terms of my hearing ability these days, but I guess that's my own fault for never having worn an earplug at a concert. I used to fight with a buddy of mine. He used to try and encourage me to wear them, and I'm like, I can't hear the show. So uh, I'm just as deaf before the de- the ghost show as I was after. Well, I can tell you this much. It's going to get worse for Tool. <laughs> well, you know what? When we saw that show a couple years ago, right ahead of the pandemic, I think, that, what was that? The end of 19, we saw them in November or something like that. Uh, it was a blast. It was loud. Uh, it was a sensory overload in terms of everything that they did. And I have to tell you, I'm really looking forward to seeing it with you again, my friend, because I think we're going to have a blast and we will be even harder of hearing once we see those boys uh, start and finish another outstanding Pittsburgh set. Mets, thanks. We'll do it again next week. Sounds good, my friend. Thank you for this. I always enjoy our hockey talks and uh, look forward to doing it with you again next week when we can talk about how the Penguins fared against the Rangers. And we'll preview the set list, too, based on what else we've seen, correct? Of course, yes, yes. no doubt. Highly important stuff. Brian Metzer, Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. All right, so my thanks to Brian Metzer. And yeah, we are going to see Tool together, Metz and I are, on March the 1st at PPG Paints Arena. Boy, lots of concerts coming up in Pittsburgh. The concert scene is going to be very, very busy. They just announced Metallica and Greta Van Fleet at PNC Park in August. Same week that Billy Joel is there. Same week that that Def Leppard Motley Crue concert is finally supposed to happen for the first time in three years. It kept getting canceled by the pandemic. We'll see if they could pull it off this year. I'm supposed to go to that one. I'll be at Metallica and Greta Van Fleet as well. I'm going to see Greta Van Fleet and Rival Sons. Uh, Not exactly sure where yet. Either the 12th in Michigan or the 30th of March out in Hershey, one or the other. Just heard today, speaking of Hershey, we're coming up on the anniversary. Was it the 60th anniversary of the uh, Wilt Chamberlain 100-point game out there? Sort of part of basketball mythology. Sort of reminds me of the Bill Mazeroski homer and the Immaculate Reception where 200,000 people claimed to have been in the building at the time. And, of course, it was more like probably a few thousand or maybe even a few hundred back then. Tops, but at any rate, uh, we will get back on task. We'll talk some Steelers when we return. We'll talk about the general manager search, among other things. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers.
Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to experience Rush Pay. When you want to cash out your winnings, you don't want to wait two days just to get the go ahead to withdraw your money. That's why Bet Rivers created Rush Pay. With Rush Pay, 80% of withdrawal requests are approved instantly, meaning you'll get your money faster. Why wait? Get your cash when you want it. Bet with a winner. Bet with Bet Rivers Sportsbook at BetRivers.com. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. With every player, there's always that that fine line, and you want to stay on the right side of that line. Where, in the absence of emotion, it's hard to be at your very best. But if if there's too much emotion, then 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 your emotions can get the best of you. Managing your emotions and channeling them the right way, I think, is a really important aspect of uh, of being a good athlete and being a, being a good pro. I mean, we we love the the, the passion that he brings. Pens coach Mike Sullivan coming back from break. I probably should have given you the futures odds for where the Penguins are right now, plus 1,400. That's behind the likes of Colorado, Tampa, Florida, Vegas, Toronto, and Carolina overall. Boy, the money, I guess, still coming in on Toronto at plus 1,000. The Avs, the favorite at plus 450. Panthers, plus 700. Lightning, plus 750. Then the Hurricanes at plus 1,000 along with the Leafs before you get to the Pens and the Flames at plus 1,400. Uh, I think the lines are going to continue to shrink on the Lightning and the Hurricanes. To me, those are two teams that are most built to win the NHL Stanley Cup championship. Uh, that's where my money would go. Eastern Conference, Panthers plus 300, Lightning at plus 325. Then the Hurricanes, 450, Leafs 500, and Pens at 700 to win the Eastern Conference. Don't feel good enough about the Penguins getting through the East to put my money down on them just yet. Uh, back to what Sullivan was saying about Tristan Jari being a competitor in the crease, playing with confidence, playing with an edge. I mean, my God, the guy got Brad Marchand suspended for six games. He used Marchand's own powers against him. How great is that? Uh, that might be Jari's best accomplishment so far in a year where he is to be applauded for how well he's playing. Right now, Tristan Jari, fifth in wins, seventh in goals against, seventh in save percentage. It's definitely been an all-star season again for Tristan Jari, deserved of the second nomination for that. Now let's see what he can do in the playoffs when those roll around for the Penguins. And yes, I do think they'll make the playoffs. I don't think they're in danger of falling out, even if they do grind, as I predicted that they would through the first few weeks of March, the end of February, with this brutal schedule that they've got. I think they'll be about a 500 hockey team for the next few weeks. And part of being 500 means get the wins that you can definitely get. Like tonight against the Devils, they got a game coming up next week against Columbus. Grab that one. Then you got a real scrap against the Rangers on Saturday. Uh, they got games against two, three good teams in the West coming up from, uh, I believe, Nashville, St. Louis. They got Colorado twice before the year is out. So, yeah, some tests looming for the Pens as well as the Hurricanes twice more between now and March the 13th. So it's going to be a slog. Get the two points when they're available, and they are available tonight for sure against the New Jersey Devils. Meanwhile, the Steelers, a much bigger long shot to win the National Football League Championship, a 50-1 to shot to win the Super Bowl. Part of the reason why no one knows who their general manager is going to be. When Kevin Colbert leaves his post as Steelers GM after this spring's NFL draft, He's going to leave behind a 22-year legacy of constructing teams that went to three Super Bowls, 
won two Vince Lombardi trophies and qualified for the playoffs 14 times. He'll also leave behind a legacy of essentially saying no comment in the nicest way possible and the most friendly 30-second soundbite imaginable each and every time he was asked a question of any relevance. I mean, unless for whatever reason, a direct answer to a question was in the best interest of the organization, Colbert mastered the art of revealing no information, but at the same time, giving any reporter who asked a question just enough to get by and not feel cheated by attending the press conference. In other words, remember how Penguins general manager Jim Rutherford handled the media? Yeah, now picture that, only the exact opposite. Rutherford acted as if saying no comment would result in his organization receiving a fine or something. Rutherford often gave up information even when reporters didn't know there was some to be had. He just didn't seem to care. So it should surprise none of us that Colbert is handling questions about who will replace him in the manner that he is, specifically if the person who takes the job will be from outside the organization or if it will be one of the two internal candidates. Vice President of Football and Business Administration Omar Khan or Pro Scouting Coordinator Brandon Hunt. When Colbert was asked on Monday about who will succeed him, his quote was, We have two great internal candidates. There are several guys outside our organization that are very well qualified. There are a lot of capable people. That's as Colbert of a quote as you're going to find. But a further comment from Colbert got some people guessing that he may be thinking that the team is going to hire someone from outside the organization and that'll be a guy who is currently working with a different club. That's when Colbert said, quote, We always have to be open to new ways of doing things and more current ways of doing things. I encourage our young scouts to push me in that regard. The better solution may be outside the organization. We don't know. A few folks took that last part of the quote to mean that the Steelers are leaning away from simply promoting Khan or Hunt or splitting the general manager duties between the two men. Well, that and the fact that the Steelers have reportedly interviewed at least eight outside candidates... They are as follows. ESPN analyst Lewis Riddick, who I'm not wild about. Indianapolis Colts assistant general manager Ed Dodds. Tennessee Titans vice president of player personnel Ryan Cowden. Los Angeles Chargers director of player personnel Jojo Wooden. Green Bay Packers co-director of player personnel John Wojciechowski. Indianapolis Colts college scouting director Morocco Brown, a second guy from Indy. Carolina assistant general manager Dan Morgan, the former linebacker and Tampa Bay Vice President of Player Personnel, John Spitek. Indeed, that kind of evidence exists that the Steelers might be leaning outside the club. To assume, though, that Colbert was leading us with his quotes, I'm not ready to go there just yet. Especially with the prospect of Colbert sticking around in some sort of advisory position as part of the equation. I'm still betting that the Steelers are leaning toward promoting from within. The extensive list of outside interviewees accomplishes two goals along the way that also might be at play here. That allows the Steelers to say that they were diligent about examining options who didn't currently have an office on Southwater Street. And perhaps more importantly, it allows the team to pick the brains of those who work for other organizations. It maybe gives Art Rooney II, Colbert, and Mike Tomlin a view of how other things are happening in other organizations. Because with success often comes comfort in your own process. Comfort in the process often leads to inflexibility for change or refusal to investigate different ways of doing things. The Steelers had a lot of success between Colbert's first year in 2000 and 2010. 
not much since then. In fact, no postseason success to speak of since beating Kansas City in the divisional round of the 2016 playoffs. What does being flexible in front office terms mean in the NFL, specifically for the Steelers? Well, maybe it means reconsidering how active the club should be in the first wave of free agency, especially in a year where it has more salary cap space than normal. Maybe it's a shakeup of how they rank draft prospects or build their draft boards. Perhaps it's recalculating how they want to structure contracts for existing veterans or how they want to build an offensive and defensive scheme to stay current with the modern mold of talent that's coming out of college. So, you know, all that. Rooney, Colbert, Bill Cowher, Tomlin, they had a lot of success doing things their way since Heinz Field opened up in 2001 to the tune of just one season below 500 in that span of time. But for as good as those teams were, just once since 2010 did they find themselves still alive a conference championship weekend, and nine times in the last 11 years the season ended without a playoff victory. The more I say stuff like that out loud, the more I want to believe that those who are trying to read into Colbert's quotes all right, the more I dwell on those considerations, the more I believe a fresh outside view is necessary. Yet the more I think about it, the more I believe that's why the net has been cast as wide as it has in this search. Basically, what I'm saying is my hunch is they're just trying to absorb all the data possible through multiple interviews, take in all the information they possibly can gather, steal ideas and give them to their in-house people that they trust. That might be a good way to go about it too. And that's what my gut is telling me will happen, but that's all I've got. My gut. What else am I going to do? Parse Colbert's words for some invisible Easter egg of information? I mean, where's Jim Rutherford when we need him? That'll do it for the Pittsburgh CityCast. Glad that you have been with us today. We'll be back with more tomorrow wrapping up the Devils game, and we'll talk plenty more Steelers as well. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.